0: Section fifty seven of the Life of Samuel Johnson, volume two by James Boswell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. At this time was in agitation a matter of great consequence to me and my family, which I should not obtrude upon the world, were it not that the part which Dr. Johnson's friendship for me made him take in it, was the occasion of an exertion of his abilities which it would be injustice to conceal. That what he wrote upon the subject may be understood, it is necessary to give a state of the question, which I shall do as briefly as I can. In the year 1504, the barony or manor of Achenlech, pronounced Affleck, footnote. Mr. Croker says that he was informed by Boswell's granddaughter, who died in 1836, that it had come to be pronounced Alkenleck. The Reverend James Crystal, the minister of Alkenleck, in answer to my inquiry, politely informs me that the name Affleck is still quite common as applied to the parish, and even Alkenleck House is as often called Place Affleck otherwise. End footnote. The barony or manor of Aachenlech, pronounced Affleck, in Ayrshire, which belonged to a family of the same name with the lands, having fallen to the crown by forfeiture, James the Fourth, King of Scotland, granted it to Thomas Boswell, a branch of an ancient family in the county of Fife. Styling him in the charter delecto familiari nostro, and assigning as the cause of the grant pro bono et fideli servitio nobis prestito. Thomas Boswell was slain in battle, fighting along with his sovereign at the fatal field of Flodden in 1513. From this very honorable founder of our family, the estate was transmitted in a direct series of heirs male, to David Boswell, my father's great granduncle who had no sons but four daughters, who were all respectably married the eldest to Lord Cathcart. David Boswell, being resolute in the military feudal principle of continuing the male succession, passed by his daughters, and settled the estate on his nephew by his next brother, who approved of the deed, and renounced any pretensions which he might possibly have, in preference to his son. But the estate having been burthened with large portions to the daughters and other debts, it was necessary for the nephew to sell a considerable part of it, and what remained was still much encumbered. The frugality of the nephew preserved, and in some degree relieved, The estate his son my grandfather an eminent lawyer not only repurchased a great part of what had been sold but acquired other lands and my father who was one of the judges of scotland and had added considerably to the estate now signified his inclination to take the privilege allowed by our law Acts of Parliament of Scotland, 1685, Chapter 22, Boswell. Coburn, Life of Geoffrey, mentions the Statute 11 and 12, Victoria, Chapter 36, which dissolves the iron fetters by which for about a 160 years nearly three-fourths of the whole land in Scotland was made permanently unsaleable and unattachable for debt and every acre in the kingdom might be bound up throughout all ages in favour of any heirs or any conditions that the caprice of each unfettered owner might be pleased to prescribe end footnote. to take the privilege allowed by our law to secure it to his family in perpetuity by an entail which on account of his marriage articles could not be done without my consent In the plan of entailing the estate I heartily concurred with him, though I was the first to be restrained by it, but we unhappily differed as to the series of heirs which should be established, or, in the language of our law, called to the succession. My father had declared a predilection for heirs general, that is, males and females indiscriminately, He was willing, however, that all males descending from his grandfather should be preferred to females, but would not extend that privilege to males deriving their descent from a higher source. I, on the other hand, had a zealous partiality for heirs male, however remote, which I maintained by arguments which appeared to me to have considerable weight. At first, the opinion of some distinguished naturalists, that our species is transmitted through males only, the female being all along no more than a nidus or nurse, as Mother Earth is to plants of every sort. Which notion seems to be confirmed by that text of scripture, he was yet in the loins of his father, when Melchizedek met him, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 10. And consequently, that a man's grandson by a daughter instead of being his surest descendant as is vulgarly said has in reality no connexion whatever with his blood and secondly independent of this theory which if true should completely exclude heirs-general that if the preference of a male to a female with regard to primogeniture as a son, though much younger, nay even a grandson by a son to a daughter be once admitted, as at university is, it must be equally reasonable and proper in the most remote degree of descent from an original proprietor of an estate as in the nearest, because, however distant from the representative at the time, that remote heir-male upon the failure of those nearer to the original proprietor than he is becomes in fact the nearest male to him and is therefore preferable as his representative to a female descendant a little extension of mind will enable us easily to perceive that a son's son in continuation to whatever length of time is preferable to a son's daughter in the succession to an ancient inheritance, in which regard should be had to the representation of the original proprietor, and not to that of one of his descendants. I am aware of Blackstone's admirable demonstration of the reasonableness of the legal succession, upon the principle of there being the greatest probability that the nearest heir of the person who last dies proprietor of an estate is of the blood of the first purchaser. But supposing a pedigree to be carefully authenticated through all its branches, instead of mere probability there will be a certainty that the nearest heir-male at whatever period has the same right of blood with the first heir-male, namely the original purchaser's eldest son, Boswell. Footnote. And in the particular case of our family, I apprehended that we were under an implied obligation, in honour and good faith, to transmit the estate by the same tenure which we held it, which was heirs male, excluding nearer females. I therefore, as I thought conscientiously, objected to my father's scheme, my opposition was very displeasing to my father, who was entitled to great respect and deference, and I had reason to apprehend disagreeable consequences from my non-compliance with his wishes. Footnote. Boswell wrote to Temple on September the 2nd, 1775, What a discouraging reflection it is that my father has in his possession a renunciation of my birthright which I madly granted to him, and which he has not the generosity to restore, now that I am doing beyond his utmost hopes, and that he may incommode and disgrace me by some strange settlements, while all this time not a shilling is secured to my wife and children in case of my death. Let of footnote. After much perplexity and uneasiness, I wrote to Dr. Johnson, stating the case with all its difficulties at full length and earnestly requesting that he would consider it at leisure and favour me with his friendly opinion and advice to james boswell esq Dear sir i was much impressed by your letter and if i can form upon your case any resolution satisfactory to myself will very gladly impart it but whether I am quite equal to it, I do not know. It is a case compounded of law and justice, and requires a mind versed in juridical disquisitions. Could you not tell your whole mind to Lord Hales? He is, you know, both a Christian and a lawyer. I suppose he is above partiality and above loquacity, and I believe you will not think the time lost in which he may quiet a disturbed or settle a wavering mind. Write to me as anything occurs to you, and if I find myself stopped by want of facts necessary to be known, I will make inquiries of you as my doubts arise. If your former resolutions shall be found only fanciful, you decide rightly in judging that your father's fancies may claim the preference but whether they are fanciful or rational is the question i really think lord hales could help us make my compliments to dear mrs boswell and tell her that i hope to be wanting in nothing that i can contribute to bring you all out of your troubles i am dear sir most affectionately your humble servant samuel johnson london january fifteenth seventeen seventy six to the same dear sir i am going to write upon a question which requires more knowledge of local law and more acquaintance with the general rules of inheritance than i can claim but i write because you request it land is like any other possession by natural right wholly in the power of its present owner and may be sold given or bequeathed absolutely or conditionally as judgment shall direct or passion incite but natural right would avail little without the protection of law the primary notion of law is restraint in the exercise of natural right a man is therefore in society not fully master of what he calls his own but he still retains all the power which the law does not take from him in the exercise of the right which law either leaves or gives regard is to be paid to moral obligations of the estate which we are now considering your father still retains such possession with such power over it that he can sell it and do with the money what he will without any legal impediment. But when he extends his power beyond his own life by settling the order of succession, the law makes your consent necessary. Let us suppose that he sells the land to risk the money in some specious adventure, and in that adventure loses the whole. His posterity be disappointed. But they could not think themselves injured or robbed. If he spent it upon vice or pleasure, his successors could only call him vicious and voluptuous. They could not say he was injurious or unjust. He that may do more, may do less. He that by selling or squandering may disinherit a whole family, may certainly disinherit part by a partial settlement. Laws are formed by the manners and exigencies of particular times, and it is but accidental that they last longer than their causes. The limitation of feudal succession to the male arose from the obligation of the tenant to attend his chief in war. As times and opinions are always changing, I know not whether it be not usurpation to prescribe rules to posterity by presuming to judge of what we cannot know. And I know not whether I fully approve either of your design or your father's to limit that succession which descended to you unlimited. If we are to leave Satum tectum Footnote, the technical term in Roman law for a building in good repair end of footnote. to posterity, what we have without any merit of our own received from our ancestors should not choice and free will be kept unviolated? Is land to be treated with more reverence than liberty? If this consideration should restrain your father from disinheriting some of the males, Does it leave you the power of disinheriting all the females? Can the possessor of a feudal estate make any will? Can he appoint, out of the inheritance, any portions to his daughters? There seems to be a very shadowy difference between the power of leaving land and of leaving money to be raised from land, between leaving an estate to females and leaving the male heir, in effect, only their steward. Suppose at one time a law that allowed only males to inherit, and during the continuance of this law many estates to have descended, passing by the females, to remoter heirs. Suppose afterwards the law repealed, in correspondence with a change of manners, and women made capable of inheritance, Would not then, the tenure of estates be changed? Could the woman have no benefit from a law made in their favour? Must they be passed by upon moral principles, for ever, because they were once excluded by a legal prohibition? Or may that which passed only to males by one law, pass likewise to females by another? you mention your resolution to maintain the right of your brothers footnote, which term i applied to all the heirs male boswell end footnote. i do not see how any of their rights are invaded as your whole difficulty arises from the act of your ancestor who diverted the succession from the females you inquire very properly what were his motives and what was his intention for you certainly are not bound by his act more than he intended to bind you nor hold your land on harder or stricter terms than those on which it was granted intentions must be gathered from acts when he left the estate to his nephew by excluding his daughters was it or was it not in his power to have perpetuated the succession to the males if he could have done it he seems to have shown by omitting it that he did not desire it to be done and upon your own principles you will not easily prove your right to destroy that capacity of succession which your ancestors have left if your ancestor had not the power of making a perpetual settlement and if therefore we cannot judge distinctly of his intentions yet his act can only be considered as an example, it makes not an obligation. And as you observe, he set no example of rigorous adherence to the line of succession, he that overlooked a brother would not wonder that little regard is shown to remote relations. As the rules of succession are in a great part purely legal, No man can be supposed to bequeath anything but upon legal terms. He can grant no power which the law denies, and if he makes no special and definite limitation, he confers all the power which the law allows. Your ancestor for some reason disinherited his daughters. But it no more follows that he intended this act as a rule for posterity than the disinheriting of his brother. If therefore you ask by what right your father admits daughters to inheritance, ask yourself first by what right you require them to be excluded. It appears upon reflection that your father excludes nobody. He only admits nearer females to inherit before males more remote and the exclusion is purely consequential. These, dear sir, are my thoughts, immethodical and deliberative, but perhaps you may find in them some glimmering of evidence. I cannot, however, but again recommend to you a conference with Lord Hales, whom you know to be both a lawyer and a Christian. Make my compliments to mrs Boswell, though she does not love me. I am, sir, so your affectionate servant, Samuel Johnson, February third, seventeen seventy three, footnote, a misprint for seventeen seventy six, and a footnote, end of section fifty seven.